0: Come on, can we give it up for Pastor Keenan and Sonia and the Limitless team. Man, you guys look good out there. You may be seated. Um, and he already gave a shout-out to my wife, but I want to give another special one. Shout-out to my beautiful wife, Stacy. Come on. <laughs> she travels everywhere with me. Um, man, I feel like this is for a little for short people, man. <laughs> I'm going to make it work, though. Well, man, it's, it's awesome to be in the house of the Lord, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, Well, again, I am honored to be here. Uh, Kenan said a lot of great things. um, And back at him and his family, I've been knowing him, like he said, for about eight, nine years. We've done ministry together. Uh, He's rocked a lot of concerts that that I spoke at as well. So your pastor has a, a lot of gifts in his gift bag. Um, But it's just been awesome. Uh, I I was telling him when I was sitting down how proud I am of him just uh, from hearing from the inception stage of how he felt God placed Limitless Church on his heart. It um, began to pray into that vision, believe God into that vision, and now to see the vision come to pass. It's pretty amazing. You guys have an awesome pastor. He loves God, and he loves people, and he takes this seriously. Um, so you, you you have a pastor to be proud of. And I think this is uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, right? So hopefully you guys are appreciating your pastor, Amen. Um, In life, we get coaches to help us in sports, we get teachers to help us in uh, academics, we get doctors to help us in health, Uh, we need pastors to help us in life. So I I really believe that the Bible says, give your pastors and those who watch over your soul double honor, amen. Um, So can we just stand to our feet and give Pastor Kenan some honor? Come on. Amazing man of God. Yeah. You may be seated. And, and it, 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 let me just bring into perspective, it's not that we're exalting the man above God. We're just honoring the set man who God has placed in Woodland, California, at Limitless Church for to make us better. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your uh, devices or your Bibles, we're going to be opening up. And, excuse me. Uh, it's it's going to be a leg day today. <laughs> We're going to be opening up in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and read for time's sake, and then I'll introduce my sermon topic of the morning. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Amen, that name is above sickness, it's above divorce, it's above disease, it's above poverty, it's above calamity. When you invoke the name of Jesus, it carries weight, it carries power. And then it says right here that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, Now we're talking about uh, jurisdictions in three worlds, in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. In other words, in the angelic realm, in, in, in the earth realm, and in the demonic realm. This is why the name of Jesus is so powerful, because at the name of Jesus and at his his word, we're releasing angels, right? The Bible says angels hearken to the voice of God. Can I give you a revelation? When you take the word of God and you speak it out of your mouth of God, it becomes the voice of God, because we are the body of Christ. Some are hands, some are feet, but when we speak the word, we become the mouthpiece of God as well. So when we say the word, we are releasing angels into this atmosphere. Amen? And then it says, and on earth, and under the earth. In other words, demons can't mess with you when you know who you are in Christ. God will trouble your trouble when you know the name of Jesus. God has given us authority. Somebody say authority. God has given us authority when we submit and surrender to the name of Jesus. I ain't even got into my sermon topic yet. <laughs> that's, that's the appetizer. And then it says, and of those under the earth, in that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The title of my message, if you are taking notes, it is called The Vantage Point of a Servant. The vantage point of a servant. A subtitle could be the mindset of a servant. And when you think about that word vantage point, that word vantage point is an advantageous perspective. It's a, it's a, it's a certain viewpoint. And what I'm going to be talking to us about today is the viewpoint of a servant. Now, we see Jesus has authority in the angelic realm, the earth realm, in the demonic realm, but the common denominator to that authority was that he humbled himself and became a person of no reputation, and he became a bond servant. Which means, if you're going to have authority in God, in God, you can't be a fan of Christ. You have to be a follower of Christ. Authority doesn't belong to fans. Authority belongs to followers, and followers do what their father tells them to do. Amen. You're like Jesus when when he uh, went away for a few days, and his parents was like, "Where have you been?" He said, "I'm about my father's business." So that's what we're going to be talking about is the vantage point of a servant. So, Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to minister to your people. Father, I ask that you think through me, speak through me, help me to communicate this word with simplicity and clarity. I ask that you would help me to articulate myself, that every man, woman, and child can receive this word. And we come against every satanic plan, every diabolical assignment, and we declare the enemy's power null and void. And we thank you that everybody at Limitless Church here today is good grounds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're a born-again believer, um, as many of us are, at some point we've all experienced God's saving power. Say that with me, saving power. Another word is salvation, right? And salvation can be safety. It can be deliverance. It can be healing. It can be wholeness. There is a lot of slices to the salvation pie, amen? Um, and, And we all experience that saving power, but I believe that God doesn't just want us to have salvation and stop there. He doesn't want us to just sit in that saving power, I believe God gives us the experience of salvation, and we have that experience of that saving power, not so we can sit and do nothing with our salvation, but God has given us that saving power, and he's introduced us to salvation through Christ Jesus, so that way through salvation, we would also be empowered to serve. Salvation puts us in position so that way we can serve on behalf of Christ, And there's some things that I believe that you don't get access to in God apart from serving. There's some insights. There's some promotions. There's some opportunities. There's things that you will only be able to get insight or walk in through the path of serving. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, one of the things that has concerned me is that in our generation, I believe a lot of people have heard about the promises of God, the grace of God the goodness of God, the healing of God, all of these things which are extremely important. But when you hear these things without fully understanding or embracing that we have a responsibility in God, Oh, it got a little quiet on that one. When you want to talk about the goodness of God, when you want to talk about the healing power of God, when you want to talk about, God, I want a man or a woman, when you want something from God, guess what? It requires a responsibility on you. God has made a covenant with his people and covenant is, it's, a, it's not a contract like the world. That's why as Christians, we can't get so caught up in divorce and not working through issues. Now, I believe there are moments where it is permitted, but I believe we have to fight for marriage because marriage is not a contract, it's covenants. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a lifelong commitment, and God has made a covenant with his people, and that word covenant can also mean rights to some things and responsibility to some things. I'm a married man, and I'm in covenant with my wife, and I have some rights. <laughs> Let me keep it PG-13 because we got some kids in here. But as, as, as much as I have those rights, I also have responsibility. I can't place a demand on my wife where I'm not placing responsibility with my wife, amen? And let me say this a little bit better because I don't like the word demand because in marriage, demanding does never, it it never works. Fear makes demands, love makes requests, amen? So in my covenant, I can place a request, and my request can be accommodated because I have responsibility. I keep her looking good. I protect her. I serve her. I'm there for her. And I just don't provide for her financially, man. I provide communication. I provide emotional stability. I provide friendship. Amen. There's much more than providing than just finances. Can I get an amen? So we have to embrace this, this perspective of servanthood. Someone say servanthood. Servanthood is such a valuable quality in the kingdom. In fact, our whole world, this culture that we live in, everyone wants to be great. Everyone wants to have fluent influence and be affluent. And the, the path to these things is through servanthood. This is why Jesus says to be great, you must first be a servant. To be a leader, you must first be a follower. And in the kingdom, things are contrary to the word, or to the world, excuse me. In the kingdom, you gotta die to live. You gotta serve to be great. You gotta follow to, uh, to, to lead. So a lot of these principles that we're gonna be talking about in the fourth installment to Walking It Out series is servanthood. And really, I want you, as I uh, make my case to help you lean in into servanthood a little bit more, I believe that some of the things that you've been praying for, believing for, asking God for is connected to your service to God. Not that God needs you to serve him, but serving is more for you. It's because you've been washed with the blood, because you've been caught out of darkness into light, because you went from poverty to wealth, from sickness to health, because God has given you a vantage point, and now he's given you a, a, a better position in life. He's just asking in return, can you serve me? Can you serve me? We can't be people who eat the word but don't do the dishes. Have you ever been over somebody's house and you cooked this big buffet meal and you worked hard for maybe more of a family member? Because if it's a guest, you shouldn't have you shouldn't make them do the dishes. But, but if it's a family member. Right. Because we're, we're the family of God. Right. So we shouldn't just eat the word and then also have somebody else do the dishes. No, when family come to my house, I'm like, I'll cook. But you do the dishes. Right. So when it comes to serving, Pastor Kenan is giving out the word. He's, he's, he's releasing a buffet of good food. He's giving you meat. He's giving you milk. He's helping you feed your righteous appetites because what you feed is what is how you will behave. So in order, in order for us to come out of some of these sins and these dysfunctions, we need to be getting fed the right things so that way we can feed our right, righteous appetites because what you eat determines how you behave can I get an amen Amen. so in in our culture it seems like a lot of people want fruit without fruitfulness or faithfulness greatness without servitude they want to be leaders without being followers they want the promises of God without the presence the path or the process of God and we want intimacy without commitment And then also we want glory without suffering. I believe we can get the fruitfulness, we can get the greatness, we can become the leaders, we can have the promises, we can have the path, we can have the intimacy, and we can have the glory that God has for us all through being a servant of Christ. Now, I believe that we're stepping in a season of life Where we can't be in church more consumers and and skeptics and spectators, I believe we have to be contributors. Should I say that again? Right now in this season, we have more people, especially from social media, being skeptics and spectators and consumers. We live in a very consumer-driven world. But in the kingdom, we are not to just be consumers. We are to be contributors, we are to be investors. We are to sow seed into the local church. And that seed is sowing our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I believe that the local church is good soil because any good farmer would tell you to have a return on your harvest, you have to sow in good soil. And you know what good soil of your time, your treasure, your talent is? It's a church that's full of the love of God. It's a church that preaches the word of God. And it's a church that evangelizes for God and bringing people back to the church of God and and I'm here to tell you limitless have all those things checked off easily so when you don't choose to be a servant I believe you as I said earlier you lock yourself out of certain opportunities you lock yourself out of certain promotions you lock yourself out of certain friendships I'm going to just help a single person in the house today. You know, I didn't find my wife looking for her. I found my wife serving God, and God presented her to me. Oh, Jesus, somebody needed to hear that. I wasn't going to church like, oh, can she be the one? Can can she be the one? No. I was so busy focusing on the kingdom and serving God. God had to interrupt me in my single season and say, look at that fine thing over there. You've been praying for a beautiful woman who loves Jesus. And, And in my servant posture, God introduced me to Stacy. But guess what? As I'm serving and God is showing me Stacy, guess what she's doing too? Serving as well. And one of the things that help any friendship, any business, any marriage, any organization is when you approach it as a servant, as a servant. It's not about what can you do for me. It's about how can I serve and what can I do for you? Being a servant is about giving people the advantage, not taking advantage of people. When I come to a church, when I come to an organization, when I come to a relationship, when I come to a friendship, it's about giving the advantage, not taking the advantage. And if you give the advantage knowing that Christ is your source, even when they take the advantage, you put the expectation on God to meet the need. Amen? Because sometimes we hold off on giving the advantage because we don't want to be taken advantage of. Now, I'm not communicating, not having healthy boundaries, but there are some times God will tell you to serve a person or serve a cause where you may not be experiencing reciprocity yet. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because you're not doing it unto Pastor Kenan. You're not doing it necessarily unto Limitless Church. You're doing it unto the Lord. And whatever you do unto the Lord, the Lord will make happen for you. This is a principle that I live by. A lot of people don't understand. Well, of course, you guys don't because this is your first time meeting me. A lot of people don't, well, a better word, not understand. A lot of people don't know that As I've been a pastor for close to 13 years or more, 14 years. Out of those 14 years, it was just four years ago that I was hired on as a pastor. For 10 years, I served my church for free 99. And it wasn't that I didn't desire to get paid. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't that I didn't feel like I was valuable to receive compensation. But at the time, what the church was able to offer me and what I needed to sustain my family wasn't enough. So when the seed that you have is not enough, that seed is not necessarily your harvest. That's things that you got to plant back in the soil to reap your harvest later. Oh, Jesus, somebody needed to hear that. So all those 10 years of me serving in the youth ministry, serving as a young adult pastor, officiating weddings that I didn't often want to officiate, uh, uh, serving at funerals and doing eulogies, I was so in seed for the decade later to finally reap the harvest of being hired as a full-time pastor where all my needs are met. Amen? I'm out of debt, and I got plenty to put in store. <laughs> That's a Calvary, you know. So what I'm saying is, If you make God your source and not people, you won't get frustrated when people are not meeting needs because you place the demand on God, not on the person. I place the demand on God, God, you called me to ministry. You called me to serve. You called me to be a part of your church. So although what is being offered to me is not my harvest, I'm going to plant it back in the soil, and I'm going to water it with servanthood. I'm going to water it with love. I'm going to water it with compassion. I'm not going to water it with complaining. I'm not going to water it with rebellion. I'm not going to water it with gossip. I'm not going to water it with complaining about what they're doing wrong, because that is hurting my harvest. I'm going to water it with the word, loving in like the word, speaking the word, and acting out the word. And in due season, I was like a man planted by the rivers of water and, 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 and water, and, and I was being flourished. And when I look back at it, I wasn't ready 10 years ago. Let me just start there. When I looked at it, I wasn't ready to handle some of the heartbreak. I wasn't ready to handle some of the warfare. I wasn't ready to handle some of the trials and the stresses that God was preparing my heart for. So just because uh, you may not see something you want now, just because something you want now is not happening, it may not be a no. It may just be a future yes. Yes. Delay is not no. Delay is just not now. Can I get an amen? That's a word for somebody. Delay doesn't mean not now. It just means I'm getting it prepared for you. I'm getting it ready for you. Keep working on your integrity. Keep working on your character. Keep working on that attitude. Keep working on your relationships. Keep working on your speaking skills. Keep working on your leadership skills. Keep working on your heart. And then in the right time, in due season, I'll release the harvest into your life. Somebody say the mindset of a servant. So oftentimes I find myself hearing people like i'm waiting on my next right we all said that in fact 2022 is coming up right and and i know in 2021 a lot of people was like this is my year and it's going everything going to change <laughs> right and in 2022 this is my year and 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 i've been uh i i've, I've said those things as well 21 2021 is my year 2022 is going to be my year and i felt the lord convict me and said How about you stop saying 2021 or 2022 is going to be your year and declare it the Lord's year? What if you say in 2022, or, or, or all of this last quarter in 2021, rolling into 2022? what if you get it off of you and make it about God? What if you step into limitless church and say, this is not my year, this is the Lord's year, and I'ma serve like I never served before? I'ma to a going I'm a, I'm a give back like I never gave back before. I'ma reciprocate like I never reciprocated before. And watch what God would do when you declare it his year, verse is your year because God can do more with your little than you keeping it, but God can do more if you sow whatever it is you have, that talent, that treasure, that, that, that time, and you give it to him and you make it about God. God can make 2022 one of the best years you would ever have if you make it about him and not about you. So many people talk about they want to be their most authentic self. I'm just being my most authentic self. This is just being me. Take me as I am. And, you know, for me, uh, I have a master's degree in counseling. So a, a lot of time when I'm uh, uh, counseling through couples and different people, every time somebody says, I'm just trying to be myself and do me, it always ends up in a selfish decision. Especially when I hear from husbands, I, man, you know, I just, I just need to do me or a wife. I just need to do me. But, I, you know, sometimes doing you is what got you to where you're at right now. So instead of saying, I'm being my most authentic self by doing me, you need the revelation that your most authentic self is not in you doing you. Your most authentic self is you doing Christ. Because it's in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new believer in Christ. You have a new heart, a new spirit. The real you is not the you that was born into sin. The real you is you that's born again and now righteous in Christ. So stop saying you doing you. Doing you is what got you here. You need to start doing Christ, doing God, start doing love, start doing forgiveness, start doing mercy, start doing grace, start doing compassion, start doing long-suffering, start doing temperance, start doing kindness, start doing prayer, start doing worship, and watch when you do these things, a new you is going to emerge on the scene, and the new you is going to have new opportunities, new friendships, new breakthroughs. Come on. Y'all got me preaching in this church. (laughs) You know, it it, it was funny because, uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, Stacy and I, we meet with a lot of couples. And it it was this one couple, it was a husband and wife who had made plans uh, to go to church, right? And the wife gets up, she, she gets her makeup ready and she's all ready to leave out the door. And she looks and the husband is sitting on the couch and she said, what happened? I thought we was going to church, What happened? And the husband was like, I just don't feel like going. And she was like, Why? And he was like, I'm going to give you three reasons. The number one reason is because the people at the church are cold hearted and mean spirited. And the people at the church, nobody likes me. And the last reason, he was like, I just don't feel like going. And I think this must have been a black woman because she pushed back hard. (laughs) She pushed back and was like, hold on, nope, that's not a good enough excuse. I'm going to give you three reasons why you need to go to church. And she said, number one, the people are warm-hearted when you get to know them. And the second reason, she said, some people do like you. And the third reason, she says, you're the senior pastor. So let's go to Mark chapter 10. (laughs) Y'all wasn't ready for that one. (laughs) Mark chapter 10, Jesus being the greatest servant, Jesus being the greatest leader of all time, I think we need to lean into what his words says. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45, and in context, he has two brothers, James and John, who are... Asking can they sit at his right and left, left hand side. So they're asking for a seat of greatness. And, and, and they're asking to be exalted to a place of leadership, influence, and greatness. And this is Jesus' response in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. It says, but Jesus called to him, excuse me, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. In other words, the current leaders are more rulers than servants over the God's people. And their great ones exercise authority over them. And then Jesus says, yet it shall not be so among you. In other words, leadership and serving is not about getting others to serve you. Jesus is like that, that type of leadership that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these different type of people, how they led, I don't want us to lead that way. And then Jesus goes on to say, um, "Yet yeah, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. Somebody say servant. servant. And whoever you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. Now, that word is not uh, uh, properly translated. It's servant. and uh, it's, it's more better translated that way. The, the Bible ain't uh, endorsing slavery at all. <laughs> For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. Let me read that again. Even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. And this is why we see in passages like this, you have to lose your life to find your life. See, uh, you may not know my history. Um, I wasn't always a pastor. I wasn't always a preacher. Uh, for, uh, uh, for the first half of my 20s, uh, I was a criminal. I had got sentenced to San Quentin Penitentiary for, for doing some things that I was guilty of. And, and I remember being in prison, and I had no reason being in prison. I had no reason even going that lifestyle because I had good parents. And, and not only that, my dad was a correctional officer, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I came from good parents, good upbringing, but, but but I wanted to pursue greatness according to the world standard, Greatness came with an economic number. Greatness came with with, uh, a certain amount of women I need to be with. Greatness came with a certain influence I need to have. And those things didn't look appealing to me in the church because I didn't meet God at the church. I met religion at the church. So then while I was in prison and and now realizing that my way didn't work, now I'm broken. The Bible says he loves a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And I'm like, you know what, God, I thought this was a good way, but it is not working. And I repented. I asked God to forgive me of my sins. And then I get this vision while I'm in prison. And in this vision, I am preaching the gospel. Now, this is very awkward for me in the dream because there is no lineage of preachers that I came from. There is never been prophesied that you are going to be a pastor. God is going to use you in this capacity. For me, I wanted to be a real estate agent and a club promoter. That, that, that I was going to sell houses and throw fat parties. <laughs> but then God had, uh, uh, as I repented and gave up my old life, which I thought was a good life, but it was, uh, it was leading me to a bad life. See, sometimes what looks like an end is a new beginning, And sometimes what looks like a new beginning is an end. And in this moment, what I thought was an end was an introduction. What I thought was an end was an introduction into a new beginning of a better life. So I get this vision. I get out of that prison sentence, I get out of that prison sentence supernaturally. So what was supposed to be a four to six year sentence got turned into one year. Soon as I get out, I'm giving you the short version of it. I go to this pastor who was in my dream at the church that I was preaching for, and I told him about the dream, and he was like, son, I believe you. One of the Things you don't do though before you put before you send a pastor out, it's like boxing. I used to be a boxer, you never put somebody in the ring that's not ready. Come and serve under my ministry, come and serve under my ministry, come and serve under my ministry, come and serve under my ministry. So I served in that ministry in those 10 years that I talked about that I was serving. That was the pastor who gave me the chance. I preached my first message, I did my first wedding, I did my first funeral, I learned all those things in the most important thing is as i mentioned earlier i met my wife there but it was all from getting introduced into a new vision and that vision got unlocked not because i just had the vision not because i just received a prophetic vision because if you've been prophesied over if you didn't have a prophetic vision that you had all prophetic vision or words is is possibility it does not come to pass unless you pray into that possibility, let you serve that possibility, let you do the work of that possibility. So it was my servanthood that connected me to this vision. God was like, I'm pointing you to a future. And serving was the thing that took my future and, and uh, cleaned my past up and gave me a new beginning. Serving connected it all together. Can somebody say serving? So there are so many people out here claiming to be great. There are so many uh, self-proclaimed, if you think about the rappers and you think about uh, Hollywood stars, everybody is self-proclaimed great. But God says greatness is in, in the kingdom is to serve somebody. It's to serve. We often use the feet washing ceremony and make it more about the feet washing ceremony than the point of what it really referenced to. And, and, and if for those that are new to the faith or never heard of this story, there was a passage where Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. And you got to understand, back in this day, they didn't have nice shoes. They had hammer time toes. You know, it was all kind of corns and blisters. Oh, my gosh, it was some nasty feet I'm sure that they had to touch. They probably had COVID on the feet. (laughs) But yet Jesus, what he did was he washed the feet, and it was symbolic to as me being a leader, I'm washing your feet. I'm serving you. That's what the ceremony is about is serving people. What if we had more people washing feet than pointing out the plank in our brother's eye? What if we had more feet-washing servants than, uh, uh, hey, you got a plank-in-your-eye type of servant? What if we had more people willing to cover someone's sin versus expose their sin? Ain't it funny how we want to cover our sins but expose everybody else's? And that's the nature of the enemy. He wants you to expose your brother and cover your sin. But God wants you to cover your brother and expose the enemy. So we got it backwards. Amen? So uh, I, I want to also go to, as we come to a close, I want to go to John chapter 2. And if I can have keys, is that possible? As we come to a close, John chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. And this is super important because as servants, we gain incredible insight into what God is doing. And I couldn't think of a better uh, passage to show you, you got you to gotta really pay attention to see how there's insight into this passage. John chapter two, verse seven through eleven. I'm gonna read for time's sakes. It says Jesus told the servants, (laughs) "There goes that word again." Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, "Now dip some out." And take it to the master of ceremonies. Just to kind of bring this in context, there was a great wedding, and they ran out of wine. So uh, Jesus's mother was like, "Hey, can can you can you can you make the party turn up some more?" <laughs> so so Jesus is now in context, um, giving instructions to his servants of how to bring wine back to the party. So now we're here, and it says, "So the servants followed his instructions." So the servants followed his instructions. Say that with me. So the servants followed his instructions. Say it, follow his instructions. It does us no good to rest in the presence of God and read the word of God that if we don't tap into the eternal spirit, the word that speaks through that word. See, if you're a new believer here today and you you don't yet know who God is and you're learning how to uh, communicate with God, it starts with the word of God. God breathed light. It's, it's, it's called a living word. The Bible is not a book of rules, young people. Let me speak to the young people for a second. The Bible is not a book of rules, do's and don'ts. The Bible is a love letter about a king, his kids, and his kingdom, and he's trying to restore us back into his kingdom. But if you look at the Bible as a book of rules, a book of do's and don'ts, then you'll, you'll, you'll look at it and you'll oppose it not knowing your opposition to it could be the end of what you're going through. It, the, the Bible says there's a way to a man that seems right, but it ends in, in death. And it may not be a physical death, but it could be a death of an opportunity. It could be expulsion. It could be all kind of crazy things. So what I'm trying to say is servanthood is definitely the way to go. And then it goes on on to say, hold on one second, there we go, got my place. So the servants follow the instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tested the water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from, here's the part that I want us to pay attention to. The next thing it says, though of course the servants knew. Did you catch that? Though of course the servants knew. In other words, by them serving the instructions, they got access to the miracle. By me serving God, I got access to a miracle. I when I when I look back in how God brought me out of that crazy prison sentence, I look back because while I was in jail, I repented of my sins and I started doing things that inmates ain't supposed to do. I started tithing my commissary. I started I started serving people. I started doing Bible studies. I started not joining different fights. I started saying, you know what? Come hell or high water, either I'm gonna do it the world's way and. Cold way, I'm going to do it God's way. And I just got to a revelation. According to Psalms 91, I'm going to do it God's way. And if I die doing it God's way, I make it to heaven anyways. So to live is for Christ and to die is gain. And by me serving to that capacity, I got introduced to a miracle, a vision of my future. Because when I got that vision, I said, how can I see this vision come to pass while I'm in here? What did I start doing? Praying into that vision. God, I believe you want me out of jail. I believe you want me out of my bondage. See, you might have not been to a physical prison like me, but you might be incarcerated to depression. You might be incarcerated to your circumstance. You might be incarcerated to your situation. Guess what? Serve your way out of that thing. Don't sleep your way out of that thing. Don't isolate yourself. Don't hide. you got to serve. Even if you don't feel like getting up in the morning, if you got to barely put on makeup, if you got to throw on something you wore yesterday, it don't matter because your miracle is connected to your servanthood. And I want to close back here, Philippians chapter 2, bringing it back full circle from the very first passage we read. Let this mind be in you. That is the vantage point of a servant. Let this mind be in you. And what is the mindset? It's, it's all these things. Who being in the form of God did not consider a robbery. Humility. That's one of the mindsets we need. To be a servant, you have to be humble. So you might be prominent in the world, but we're all equal in the church. You, you, you may get favor out here, but we're all equal in a church. You see, every tribe, every nation, every ethnicity, every gender, we're all one in Christ. Male and female when I say gender. <laughs> Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Jesus was God, but he did not consider himself God when it came to how he served people. He left deity, got wrapped in humanity, and he who knew no sin became sin for you and I, so that way he paid the price of sin so we can be the righteousness of him. So another way of saying it is Jesus got what we deserve by serving so we can get what he deserves by humbling ourselves to his work. Let this mind be in you. And then he was highly exalted and given the name, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Now we can walk in authority. Imagine at Limitless Church, if we let this mindset in us, this vantage point of a servant, what if we start now walking this out? to the degree. When we're doing our, our, our outreaches, we're praying over the community. We're, we're, we're praying over schools. We're praying over empty chairs. What, is, what does that mean? Now we're no longer fans of Christ who have no power, no authority. We're followers of Christ. Now we can speak things that don't exist into existence. It's not about naming it and claiming it. It's about spending time with the presence of God, getting a set of instructions, and speaking that instructions that you got in your prayer time now out into the atmosphere. I spend time with God. I get instructions. Oh, God, that must be you because with this instructions, it's telling me it all lines up with your word. Let me now start praying that. God, I want to be released from jail. I want to be released from debt. I want to be released from poverty. I want to be released from depression because I spent time with his word. Got to know what his word says. And once I know what his word says, now I speak that into existence. See, if you don't spend time with his word and you try to speak something into existence, all you are is woke and enlightened. But there are some enlightened fools. There are some intellectual people who are not smart. And that's why God says he hid it to the the least of these. He hid it to people who won't be so caught up in their intellectualism that they won't grab it by faith. Because everything you need that comes from God is not going to always come from your knowledge of intellectualism from the world. It is going to require some faith in God. Can I get an amen? Stand to your feet real quick.